Uh, my name is Len Collin. I was a writer on London's Burning uh, back uh, from series 11 up to about series 13, I think, and I wrote about nine episodes. Um, I got invited by the producer to, to go in for an interview. I had been writing at the time. I had written on uh, the bill quite a lot. And I think I was renowned for my research on the bill because I used to go out with the, with the police a, a great deal in the area car and everything. And uh, I understood that kind of workplace sense of humour, I suppose. So I, I got invited to come and meet the script editors, Emma Kingsman Lloyd and Colin Stevens, who were working on it at the time. We all got on very well. So I got commissioned on my first episode, which was series 11, episode three. Um, I can't remember what, what it was called, but I do remember what it was about. Um, but uh, it was directed by Joanna Hogg, who's now a very well-known film director um, and wins awards all over the place. Um, and it, it kind of went from there. So once I was involved with London's Burning, I, weirdly, I'd acted in it before. So I, I was actually in an episode that was directed by James Hazeldean. And my very first sort of job as an actor was uh, working with, um, um, oh gosh, it's always typical that the names on the top of my tongue, and, and, and of course it's gone now, but who played George. Um, and of course it's Glenn. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, that, Glenn, if, if you are watching this, I'm really, really sorry. But Glenn and I had appeared together as two kind of criminals in a, a, a show called Rockless Babies. So uh, so I knew Glenn and Glenn was trying to get me on the show as a writer, actually, for, for a number of years because he knew I'd written on the bill and everything. And uh, I, I suppose that's that's how just sort of through the cast and everything else, I got invited to write on series 11. As a series writer on a programme like London's Burning, essentially you have quite a few meetings to begin with where you uh, obviously have to watch the programme. That's, that's the key thing. And I was always an avid viewer of the programme. Sunday nights was London's Burning for me. And I'd watched it ever since Jack Rosenthal's initial um, one-off play that he did. And um, I guess my familiarity, therefore, with the show, the fact that I loved the show meant that I slotted into the kind of way it was written. Um, the other thing that we had to do, of course, was research. So uh, we, I think I went out a few times with King's Cross Fire Service. Um, actually, sorry, it wasn't King's Cross Fire, was it? It was, it was one of the central London um, fire services that I, that I went out with anyway. I can't remember now, sorry, it was a long time ago. But of course, that was kind of like a childhood dream. You know, I'd been running around in police cars for the bill, in the ambulances for casualty. But the best by far was being in a pump ladder. It was an extraordinary experience. You get in, in a, a pump ladder and you go to a shout. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't in uniform, of course, because, you know, I'm not a firefighter. But, uh, but you get in the back of the pump ladder and you got all the equipment on the back of, of the wall there, uh, the oxygen cylinders, helmets and everything else, and everyone, everyone's getting in. I didn't slide down the pole, unfortunately, uh, probably just as well, given my size. Um, but uh, you're sat in the back there and you're speeding along the streets of central London and those things stop on a dime. 
but in the back of the fire engine itself, the pump ladder, you've got obviously, I don't know how many tons of water is in there or how many gallons is huge amounts of course but i'd describe it as it's like a swimming pool at the back of you and as this thing stops you get this vroom that hits <laughs> the wall that you're behind and you feel the pressure of this water as it hits the the back of the fire engine and um it's those kind of experiences and we went to a bin fire and we went to a couple of small calls and uh, an rta um, but it was invaluable experience and you get the sense then of what it's like to be a firefighter. But by far the, the most important relationship was with my script editors and with Roger Kendall, our advisor. Uh, Roger was just an amazing guy. And this was, of course, before 9-11. But everyone remembers with 9-11 that uh, the thing that the firefighters said, and this is something that Roger said, uh, Roger had attended the King's Crossfire which is probably why I thought of King's Cross earlier. Um, and what he said to us was, everyone else is running away and you are running towards that terrible thing that they are running away from. And that has always stayed with me as an image. And it was in my head then, obviously, when 9-11 happened, because you just think the bravery of firefighters is just extraordinary beyond belief. There is no other service that quite does what they do so um with the research with effectively then thinking up stories you would write out a storyline for your episode which would go to your editors which would then go on to the producer and people would decide whether they liked that idea or not whether it needed more work whether you needed to do more research around it and eventually uh, you would you would get your commission to write well you already had your commission to write the draft but you knew which episode number you were doing and you would write your first draft. Obviously, London's Burning was the type of programme that always had serial storylines throughout, whether that was sort of somebody who would be leaving by the end or, you know, sick note being sick, whatever it would be. Uh, you, you would have those serial elements that were already in your script that were plotted out uh, in, in line with your script editors. So you knew what serial elements you already had and you would try and pick a story, of course, that would uh, sort of complement those those stories that were part of the serial element you would write your first draft you'd be commissioned to write it you'd probably get a three week or four week deadline to write that first draft that would go in it would be read by all the producers and uh, the director if the director was on board by then though normally they come in a little bit later uh, and uh, you would get your notes back through your script editor who'd go to a meeting. In those days, we used to bike scripts because it was uh, before the ubiquitous uh, internet where now we just send emails back and forth. But in those days, you used to finish your, I remember sort of sitting there writing my scripts, getting them all printed off, and the bike was coming at three o'clock. And if the bike was coming at three o'clock, you had to have that ready for three o'clock. And in it went in the, in the brown envelope off to uh, LWT. And... Um, that that was uh, that was it. You could then relax for about a week till you got your notes back the week after you'd go in for a meeting and then you'd be writing your second draft and the process would go over again. By this time, the director probably would be on board and you'd get the director's notes for the third draft and, and what would be considered a bit of a polish. 
and that would then go into a production draft and of course each episode as well you knew sometimes you knew in advance what the big stunt was going to be so in uh, series 12 episode 16 I knew that we uh, had got clearance to do a story about uh, a firework uh, factory going up which was one of the biggest stunts that I think we ever did and I think I think that stunt cost about a million. It was some kind of crazy number anyway, but you went from everything, as you know. Uh, you probably, I mean, I, I am aware that the people who will be watching this will know more than I remember about the show because you're avid fans. But, you know, you do go from everything from a bin fire right up to those spectacular stunts. And, um, uh, you know, that was, that was something that was wonderful about the show because it gave you, in fact, I think the, most difficult thing for a writer was uh, this was something that we had a lot you would always have the pump ladder turning up and it was supposed to be a spectacular thing in front of you which of course was not always in front front of you and as a writer you really wanted to, to write down what you would actually say in that moment but of course even though we were post watershed we never swore so it was always you know you couldn't really go oh golly or oh gosh so you're always trying to find inventive ways of of the actors sort of uh, finding their shock and surprise at the reveal of whatever this fire was. But uh, I think actually it was a mark of the wonderful actors that that they kept that fresh every single time they did it in the show. So that was, uh, that was essentially the process. And um, uh, occasionally you could go and watch some filming, but generally speaking, because of, of the, uh, the fire stage, things like that were, were sort of, you know, limited in numbers for obvious reasons. So I think that kind of hopefully capsulates what it's like to be a writer on London's Burning. Yes, we did. We um, always worked very closely with the London Fire Brigade, uh, particularly if it was on anything that may be contentious. So one of the episodes I worked on was where um, one of the firefighters came out as gay. So we work very uh, closely with the LGBTQ uh, society that were part of, uh, you know, the firefighters society. And uh, the two guys in particular who helped us with that were amazing. They were, they were just great. They uh, were in Soho station, they were based. And um, they, they were every inch, you know, they were probably the best firefighters I ever met. You know, they were physically extremely fit. Uh, and it was the only difference really between them and any other firefighter was just their sexuality. But, uh, you know, you can't be in a bunkhouse. You can't live that life as a firefighter without everyone knowing everything about your life because, you know, you have to sleep in the station. You have to get on with the people but you've also got to know it's a bit like being in the army as well and obviously I've written on uh, army shows too where the one thing you want to do in any emergency service is you've got to be able to rely on the people that are with you and um, so we we really worked hard on anything like that such as the representation of, of uh, Heather Peace's character as well where we're making sure that we are showing it as close to we can the reality of what it's like to work in a fire service and I think I think that London's Burning did that in a way that uh, it, it all comes back to Jack Rosenthal I think right at the beginning and we even at one point we had Jack come and join us 
which was a great moment for me to, to meet the, the man himself, who um, not only with London's Burning, but with so many wonderful shows that he had written for Tanya and Kipper Bang and, uh, you know, just, a, just a, 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 an absolute genius writer. And he turned up in this wonderful suit and white trainers on, typical Jack, you know. But uh, I think the day he came into the writer's room and, and sat with us was one of the best days of my life for sure. So this combination of working with the fire service, going out with firefighters, Roger Kendall uh, as, as our advisor uh, on site, uh, we got as close as we possibly could at that time to representing what it's like to be a firefighter as accurately as you can within the format of a serialised ITV drama. What I do remember about that episode was I, I had uh, actually sort of come across this story as uh, when I was researching for the bill, which was about um, an overweight burglar who got stuck between two buildings because he's trying to run away from the police and literally runs down this gap between two houses and, and gets stuck there. And I'd heard this story and I thought it was a brilliant story. So I pitched it to Roger who said, yeah, that he had come across a story that ha happened like that. And we worked out how that would uh, sort of work, what you would need to do. And I think it came to sort of demolishing parts of the house to get the guy out. And I can remember sort of um, uh, coming up with this scene, talking to Roger about it and just thinking of the humour of the moment as well. But the fact that this poor guy, in the situation that he's in, having to be rescued, knowing that at the point that he's rescued, he's going to be handed over to the police and arrested. So I thought that was a lovely kind of dichotomy. And um, when uh, uh, Joanna obviously had filmed it, it was great to see how uh, she interpreted the script and how that humour came across. Um, so that's that's uh, my earliest memory of, of working on London's Burning. And, um, and again, it, it, it's very much down to the, uh, the script editors as well, Emma uh, and, and Colin, who just always gave you the right kind of encouragement to know what you could and couldn't do. Because of course, you know, you couldn't turn up at London's Burning and suggest a plane crashes into the station and just, you know, run with that because it would cost a fortune. I did get to do a plane crash. I had a light plane crash in one episode. Uh, but, um, you know, you were always trying to keep it fresh. You were always trying to keep those shouts, a mixture of the humorous and the, and the completely serious. And, and also, I should also give a, a, a shout out to... Um, wasn't it John Humphreys and Simon Sharkey in particular, who, who you know, wrote much of the series bef way before I came on board. And uh, I remember writing to Simon Sharkey sort of uh, even before I ended up writing on the show to see if I could ever come along and, you know, uh, be an understudy to him, if you like. But, uh, you know, you were building, you're, you're in a way you're kind of standing on the shoulders of giants when you come onto a series like London's Burning that's so well established. So um, so it was great to sort of finally get those first scenes done and uh, and to find that you you had got it right, that you would that the actors liked saying your lines, that you had the the right kind of feel for for the program. So um, 
that was my experience of that. Yeah, that that was um, yeah, uh, Jonathan. Uh, so uh, he and I had worked together, funny enough, as actors. So we we had uh, we knew each other quite well, and I was delighted he was coming on board. And of course, I'd written on Soldier Soldier, where uh, he was playing the character of uh, Chris McLeod, and then he was going to come on and, and play another Chris in London's Burning. So um, it was great to have him on board as well. I knew I knew what he was capable of, and he's kind of a, a lovely kind of laconic actor uh, who, who just has a lovely, easy way about him. And um, that was, that, that was uh, I, I, I can't remember too much about what his introduction was, but I do remember it was a, a scene where he's watching the guys doing something and not too happy about with the way they're doing it. And it's a new, new broom coming in. And uh, weirdly as well, I had also worked uh, as an actor with James Marcus, who for years was in, in the show um, and uh, was also in Clockwork Orange. So, so I really did have an affinity for uh, the, the cast um, and Glenn, who I've already mentioned as well, and, and Ross, Ross Boatman. I, I, uh, years later, Barney Boatman, his brother, I've played poker with many, many times. So um, it always felt like home. Uh, I, I well, I, I guess Chris, sorry, uh, Jonathan, and uh, using his character name there now, um, and I guess uh, Glenn uh, because I knew them, um, but also uh, just I think I don't think I think Heather Peace as well um, was someone that that you could work really well with. That you know when you when you. Uh, for some reason, we didn't have we didn't always have readings of the script. I think it was a budget thing, but on some shows you'd have uh, cast readings. So instead, you had kind of like the rap parties where you would go to to to, to sort of you know uh, socialise with the actors and get feedback with. And so I, I got on very well with Heather. I got on very well with James Hazeldean when I when I worked with him. Though of course he was gone by then. Um, and the actor who played Recall, I always loved writing for, for Recall. Um, so you, it was, it was uh, I think it was the atmosphere on the set of the show when you did turn up was always very welcoming. Um, and that was a bonus. And I think it was the difference between that and the bill, for example, though as much as I loved working on the bill was the bill was literally a factory because it was going all year round. And of course they were running three units, but the, the, um, the relief as it were on, on London's burning was a much smaller unit. And so you could feel those relationships and those partnerships. And, um, you know, the green room was always a great place to be. And uh, I, I can remember sort of uh, uh, all sorts of fun that we had in the green room. We had an actress once who was, um, a, a, a psychic of sorts but she did palm readings for everyone so it was that kind of a place that when you were kind of uh in your downtime there were there was always things to do there was always a a kind of a party atmosphere for, from my experience anyway obviously being a writer you're mostly sat at home and just hoping that your words are going to impress the actors and that, that they're going to like what you do and that the director's uh, also like what you do um, 
And I also was very privileged to have um, at least one of my episodes, certainly that last episode, the, the series 12, ep 16, that Gareth Milne directed. And Gareth Milne, what a guy. I mean, you know, as a stunt coordinator, he'd done everything everything so um you know what what i loved about london's burning was you had people like that who had worked on big films knew what they were doing around stunts and you had to have that because obviously you know when you're when you're going to set fires everywhere and have actors running through uh that health and safety is is a major thing so um very fond memories of the program and working on it uh, the, there was one storyline that I, I personally liked, which was um, I just thought it was a very funny thing to do, a fire on a boat. And so I had this fire on this small boat. I think it was a, 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 there was a research boat on the Thames that was uh, connected to it as well. And London's Burning did do a few kind of things on the Thames. But, uh, but in this particular storyline, I thought it would be funny to have this person who's rescued off the boat going getting one of the firefighters to go back and get this item which was a tin box uh, and when they retrieve this item and they want to know of course what was so important that one of the firefighters had to risk further uh, injury to to go and get this box and it was uh, they opened the box and inside is ashes and it's the ashes of her husband if I remember rightly or his husband I'm, I'm can't, can't quite remember uh, the characters but I loved that when I saw that I thought it worked really well and it, it was the kind of irony that uh, the kind of stories that I don't know if I it, I was probably told that story by a firefighter that something like that happened and thought this would be a a good way of doing it so I, I really enjoyed that um, and I enjoyed I always enjoyed seeing the big stunts so uh, the one with the light aircraft where that crashed it was interesting to see how that was made to look um, and it was often sort of the the small storylines as well where uh, people were stuck in a lift and therefore you know you have to talk to someone um, so I think there were lots of fond memories in terms of the storylines that were done. Um, and I think it's always, the funny thing as a writer, and I, and I do a bit more directing now myself, but the funny thing as a writer is you never know when you've written the thing, you see it all in your head. And, and I call it, you know, the lens in your head. So I, as a writer and former actor, get to play all these roles i get to be all these people in my head and sometimes my wife will come in and you know she'd be there with a cup of tea or whatever and i'm like typing away and pulling faces and she's caught me dancing and doing all sorts while i'm trying to write a script but you're you're trying to get into this mood and this uh, way of working where you're you're trying to be those characters whether it's guest characters or our regular characters and um you never know how it's going to turn out when it's actually filmed. And it's always that joyous moment because it's always like, oh, I didn't imagine it like that at all, but that's really good. Or, oh, no, I didn't like that. <laughs> but normally always on London's Burning and especially with the fires, you you were really, really impressed with, with what people did on the budget that we had because there were certainly other shows. I remember writing this fantastic chase for Thief Takers and in my head, 
this chase was amazing and it involved lorries and it involved, involved this girder coming off of a lorry and I described the girder coming along and sparking and this police car just stopping and, you know, the whole Hollywood movie. Well, when I saw the film of that, how they had filmed it, and not, you know, not the director's fault or anything, but just it didn't quite work like that. And when this girder came off the back of the lorry, it didn't slide at all. It just went clunk <laughs> and... It just didn't look anything like the way I imagined. It was still cool, but in my head, I, I had spent millions on this stunt, and uh, uh, in reality, it hadn't. But in London's Burning, because of people like Gareth and 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 the DOPs we had, they always made it look brilliant. And I th I think it's it's uh, you know when you look at uh, other fire shows like my my I guess if I had a favourite fire show outside of London's Burning, it would be Rescue Me. Um, which I thought did a brilliant job as well. But, you know, we had nowhere near the kind of budget that they had. But even then you could see in, in Rescue Me, they, they abandoned quite often that idea of a shout in every episode, but we had to have it. We had to have that. It's what the audience expected. So it really is when you look at the two shows side by side, they both have strengths and weaknesses, but certainly London's Burning, our stunts were top notch. I think I think just in, in general, just as I say, it was just always a very, very welcome place to be. So anytime you did turn up and saw some filming, you were welcomed on set. You weren't sometimes as a writer, you're made to feel a little bit surplus, superfluous to what's happening because you've done your job. Um, but it was never like that on London's Burning. You were always made to film well, feel welcome and um, uh as a guest actor as well, when I guested on it um, earlier in the series, you were always made to film feel welcome. And I think I think that comes from the cast. I think it comes from the producers down. That uh, uh, you know, I think the worst thing that happened to ITV was that they cut London's Burning. Um, I know, I know at the time it was an expensive show and that ITV wanted to clear up Sunday nights for other things, but it was madness for them to axe a show, I think, that was so popular and they'd love to have it now, I'm sure. And it was interesting, I think, when Sky did, I think they called it The Smoke, it felt like London's burning light. They just didn't have the same dynamic. It, it didn't have the same feel to it. Um, and I think that's because A, the genius of Rosenthal and B, just the, all the productions and all the producers and all the staff, uh, the actors, the, the, the makeup people. Oh, there was another, actually, I've remembered another piece that I really did enjoy, which was, um, one of the lines I had in London's Burning, which was, um, gosh, who was the lady who played, was in the canteen for the fire station? Maggie. Maggie, who was in the fire station. Brilliant character. Lovely, lovely character. And I think I had introduced, or we had introduced one of the girlfriends uh, uh, of one of the firefighters. And she was talking about some situation and Maggie turns around to her and says, I guess it's a catch 22 situation. And um, she, she the, the, the slightly sort of less intelligent girl said, oh no, it's much more, uh, much more serious than that. Much more of a catch 
32 or something. I can't remember what the line was, but there was just those little moments, those little lines that you can have. I'll have to look it up now, but there was always, you could always rely on this wonderful delivery from the actors. Um, so you'd, you'd feel it in your head, you'd see it in your head, and they'd, they'd deliver it just perfectly. She was, you know, a, a perfect example of a lovely actress who was in the show for a long time, never given huge amounts of things to do, but would deliver brilliantly. Thank you. I, I hope it's been useful. I hope it's, um, uh, I, it's I, I tried to sort of uh, find some of my episodes to rewatch them again, but I couldn't find them. Um, but uh, thank you for having me and uh, good luck with all your endeavors.